When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Yes, hello. Welcome to Off the Bench for another week. It is Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby. Of course, right here on your Saturday, wherever you are in the beautiful state of Western Australia. Doing very well on COVID-19 numbers throughout the week. It might be added as well. So good news for our wonderful state. Now, I'm going to do things a little bit differently today, Hayes, as I welcome you. And we're going to go straight into The Dig. The Dig. Dial before you dig. The essential first step. Don't dig yourself into a whole lodge of free dial before you dig inquiry. The reason we're getting straight into The Dig this week Hayes is because Tony Sage had some very interesting, very pointed things to say earlier in the week when he spoke to yourself and Carl Langdon. So we're going to hear what Tony Sage had to say regarding the FFA and some of the broadcast deal payments that have not at this stage come through. The announcement, did it come as a, a little bit of a surprise or was this something that you expected given the scenario at the moment, which I believe still means that Foxtel, your broadcaster, hasn't paid any money up to this point. Is that the way it is right now? Yeah, look, that's the way it is. We're still in uh, limbo uh, regarding a broadcast partner. I mean, uh, at this stage, uh, we uh, are all in the dark uh, as owners, the FFA as well. What people have got to understand is the FFA have the contract with uh, Fox, not the owners uh, or the A-League itself. It's just the FFA. So the FFA are in negotiations, have been uh, really for, for the last two or three weeks to find out exactly where we stand. Uh, we haven't received uh, our distribution uh, from the broadcast, which we always get on the 15th of every month. So that hasn't been forthcoming to the club. So, you know, we can't say it, it won't come, um, but we haven't, uh, the FFA haven't not, not yet received it from Fox. So that's where we are at the moment uh, on that. So... Your distribution is handed out by the FFA. They will now have to negotiate with Fox to recommence the season. I mean, what are you hearing, Sagey, when it comes to actually getting the season completed? You've well, you've got, I think, five rounds to go, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So all the clubs want want to finish it. We want a premier. We want a, a final series. We've always, you know, we, it's imperative also for the ACL. Uh, so we, we want it to happen. Uh, it hasn't been able to be happened because of border closures, etc. So they're government restrictions. But it looks like uh, even the Premier today, when we were talking about the AFL, if he's going to allow professional sports AFL into the country, into the state, sorry, uh, surely uh, he will allow um, A-League clubs. So I'm pretty sure that one can be ticked off. Um, so that, that one's a tick. Um, but uh, over the last six weeks, it hasn't been a tick. But we have to complete our season, which is the unfortunate... Uh, under a contracted period by the end of May. So ours is a little bit more different than the AFL and the NRL because their seasons have just started. Ours finishes and the contract period is the end of uh, May. So we've got to really get on our bike. 
What about going forward, Sagey, with Foxtel? How long is this agreement for? And we've seen a few of the other codes start to renegotiate a couple of extra years on the back end to try and help them get through this period. Is that happening with the A-League and the FFA? Uh, That's the big $64 million question. (laughs) It's a $57 million contract per annum. Um, We haven't heard one iota. The FFA are really trying to engage with uh, Fox to try and get an answer out of them. Uh, and at this stage, uh, no answer. So, you know, we, like Super Rugby, uh, they have no broadcast partner at the moment. Fox uh, didn't renew their contract. So it's a completely different situation than the NRL and the AFL, where Fox uh, obviously really uh, are trying to push uh, contract extensions, but also push the season to get started. But they haven't done so with Super Rugby or the A-League at this stage. You mentioned the cut-off date. Um, are you able to go beyond that? And you don't want to go too far beyond that, given the start of your season this year was the 11th of October. You don't want this to go into affecting two different seasons, I wouldn't think. No, that's correct. Look, it's a, it's a very, very um, difficult situation that the owners have been put in. Uh, we've, As you know, I was first off the, the ranks and I, I copped all the flack from everyone, players, union, etc., when I made the decision to stand down players to the 22nd of April, which was on uh, uh, Tuesday, uh, I had to then make a call. Uh, the other seven clubs that went with me also made the call as well. So we've actually stood down now until uh, a decision is made by the FFA whether the con- season will continue or not continue. That's how serious our situation is uh, with our playing group and our, even uh, and our staff as well. So... Everyone has been shut down um, right now until a decision is made. And we're hoping that the last day of the month where they, Fox can make a decision, which is next, I think, Wednesday or Thursday, that they come to the right decision with the FFA and we can continue to play and have a broadcast partner. If we don't have a broadcast partner, if they decide to drop us like they did with Super Rugby, that's when things become really, really serious and nasty. What, what do we do with our staff? What do we do with our players? Uh, if there's no broadcaster. Plenty more of Tony Sage to come after the break right here on Off The Bench. Off The Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off The Bench. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby with you. We're continuing our chat from earlier in the week with Perth Glory owner Tony Sage. Surely discussions have taken place with some of those other broadcasters looking uh, for the bigger picture long term. Are there interested parties out there that would take the game forward? Look, there's so many uh, coming into the to the, to the um, situation now. Just just uh, out of left field, but uh, discussions um, are, are are being held. But it it took, uh, for example, Netflix 172 million to make one film called The Irishman. Okay, and that went for three hours. And once people watched it once, they won't watch it again and again. Uh, something like the A League, 57 million Fox paid for the broadcast rights, which is probably 4,000 hours of television over six or seven months. So there's uh, Amazon Prime, there's Google, there's Optus who bought the EPL rights. So other than normal broadcasters, I mean, we can uh, go out and look at other types of broadcasting. The owners have discussed this um, not seriously uh, yet, but uh, this is ideas that are coming forward. So it's not just going to be free-to-air networks or Fox. Uh, There are lots of other broadcasting options out there, uh, right now where um, content is the number one and I think if you saw the numbers of uh, uh, the 
viewerships of Netflix, et cetera, et cetera, over the last two months. It's just exploded. Uh, people are used to it. So, look, we're just thinking out of the box just in case. Uh, I hope Fox um, uh, do continue. They've been fantastic in 14 years. Uh, I can't see any reason why not, but obviously they're cash-strapped as well. This is a bit of a reset for a number of sports. Uh, Ian Postacoglu made some comments today about Australia loving equalisation systems and the salary caps. Uh, are they, he said they're not necessarily a good thing. Do you agree with that? Do you think in time there could be change in regards to soccer in this country? And also Neil Kilkenny today saying that he would like to see promotion and relegation here in Australia. Where do you and the owners sit on this? Yeah, look, uh, I think um, taking that uh, model from the EPL is fantastic. Uh, we all want to see it, uh, but you've got to have a viable A-League first. I mean, if we're not viable, the next level underneath us will definitely be not not viable. But, you know, that's the aim of all the owners going forward. We want to have a fantastic system where there's 20 or 30 teams that can uh, uh, go between uh, leagues, uh, from league our league down to the next league going forward. But in, it, firstly, you've got to have um, 14, 15, 16 viable a-League clubs. That might take two or three years. But but what you say is 100% right. It's going to be a whole reset. The whole of, as you know now, professional sport is being reset with the AFL players taking massive cuts, uh, rugby league players taking massive cuts, the super rugby players taking massive netball. I mean, you name any sport, uh, the cricket is uh, about to start their negotiation. So it's going to be a big, big reset. So I don't think you'll see going forward in professional sport the $2.5 billion uh, TV rights uh, uh, deals going forward because everything's got to be reset. Those guys have got to make money as well. Uh, otherwise, Fox will cut sports like um, uh, football and rugby, uh, Super Rugby, out of their uh, lineup. So you know, and that's why Channel Nine are finding it difficult to come to an agreement on their broadcast deal with the NRL right now. So it's a big, big reset uh, for everyone: uh, owners, players, coaches. Um, and, you know, just go to the coach's box in the AFL. I don't think you'll see 20 people in there anymore. It, it, it's just uh, a huge amount of disruption to all professional sport around the world. Tony Sage there, great of him to join us on the program earlier in the week. There's still plenty more to come right here on Off the Bench. Let's so stick with us. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby with you. Hope you're having a fantastic time wherever you are in the beautiful state of Western Australia. Now, Hayes, you would have seen uh, earlier in the week, The Last Dance, the documentary about the 97-98 season with the Chicago Bulls came out. And we were lucky enough to catch up with Chris Anstey earlier in the week. Now, little known fact, he actually played on the Dallas Mavericks in that season against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, he was naive enough to think that he could win, and the Mavericks did actually manage to take down the Bulls in a game late in the season. This is what Chris Anstey had to say about the memories that he wrote about online and that day. Now, I saw you put out a tweet today. I wrote a story about what briefly crossing paths with Michael Jordan at the Chicago Bulls during their hashtag last dance taught me. Can you elaborate? Yeah, it's. I guess everyone's finding ways to pass their time um, in the, in lockdown or isolation. And uh, yeah, I started writing. I, I thought it was a good opportunity to share a lot of what I learned from, from some incredible people. And clearly, you know, Michael Jordan and, and the Chicago Bulls are about as incredible as you get in the world of sport. And I was pretty lucky in my rookie year that 
everybody knew that it was going to be, as we now know, their last dance. Um, and I got to play against those guys one time and it was incredible. Um, it, it was just a whole other level to any sporting event I'd been a part of at that time. And uh, yeah, could, could, <laughs> we're still talking about it 25 years later. That's how big Michael Jordan mm. is. Chris, my favourite part was the Dumb and Dumber reference. Uh, so you're telling me there's a chance because I love that movie, Dumb and Dumber. I would have gone with, yeah, so I want to go somewhere where I know someone who can plug us into the social pipeline. It would have been nice to go to Chicago. Yeah, well, you did go to Chicago, but while Michael Jordan was there, to plug you into the social pipeline would have been pretty special. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, it's funny, though. I, I, I've always considered myself you know, smart enough to be naive and think that anything's possible, and I suppose... That was kind of where the story and and the lesson I took from it was people would tell you were crazy if you ever thought you'd play in a game of basketball against the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan and and win. Um, But, you know, I've coached now for a decade and if you strip it back and if there's a way to score one basket, you know, some of the best players in the world, you know, aren't the most talented, but they can replicate it. So why not do it again? And you know, I was dumb enough and naive enough to think that going in that, hey, if we can score one time, what if everything went right? And uh, Certainly it didn't seem like it was going to as the game went on and I was a bit grumpy you know, at halftime because I hadn't played and probably my mind wandered a little bit. But um, no, look, it was an incredible second half, an incredible comeback and you know, the best thing about playing Michael Jordan only one time and winning is that he's not calling for a rematch. So, you, you know, so you retire undefeated. <laughs> Chris, I played in the AFL and my memory's not that good, but you had the ability in your story to recap the game with so much detail about every time you went to the bench and what you were thinking. Does that come from memory for you or does that come from watching back that game a few times? Uh, a little bit of both. It's funny, over the years, you, you remember things and you have stories and I like as much as anyone getting together with my mates and having a couple of beers and sharing stories. It's amazing how everyone's recollection of an, of an event's a little bit different. So I must admit, I did enjoy going back and watching the game again and remembering. And um, it, it, that, that was what made it crystal clear. And I, I remembered being there, I remembered what I was thinking and it was pretty accurate as the way I'd remembered it. But, um, you know, we've been talking to a couple of mates who were there. That, you know, their, their highlight, they could hardly tell you about us winning the game. Their, their highlight was Luke Longley inviting all of his teammates outside of a couple to come drinking with them afterwards. You know, that, that, that's how good Luke Longley was. Um, whether they won or lost, he was still in town with another Aussie and had, we'd organised to catch up afterwards and... He didn't care who we brought along and we didn't care who he brought along, of course. And, you know, we had a really good night after that. Stick with us. There's more of Chris Anstey retelling the time he crossed paths with Michael Jordan and won after this. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby with you. Continuing our chat with Chris Anstey from earlier in the week, recapping the time that he, as a member of the Dallas Mavericks, played against Michael Jordan and won right here. Hey, Chris, you wrote uh, in your Facebook post uh, about uh, you bought a whole pile of tickets uh, for your family and friends. Did many of them turn up? They did. This is the thing. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't that easy to get to Dallas back in 1998. And um, I suppose it's one of those things that it was going to be their only ever opportunity to see Michael Jordan. And 
they committed months out to come and they actually did it. So I, I reckon I bought maybe 30 or 40 tickets as one of the two and maybe only had four or five left. And uh, I still reckon my brother did pretty well out of those four or five and didn't tell me about it. But um, <laughs> he, uh, no, look, they turned up. It was, And that's probably what made it more special as well. You know, they, they turned up and they were there for a week or so. And I'd actually had a game... You know, not long before that, where I had 26 points, and that was my career high, and I got to share it with a bunch of family and friends. And yeah, you know, there's something about having people in the stand that you can look up to when it's special, and then talk about it afterwards. And I mean, you guys have both played sport at the highest level. You know what that's about. It's just sharing what you're able to do with those you love is pretty special. In all seriousness, how much credit do you think you deserve in that game? Because you mentioned that you're on the bench for the first half. No, this is a serious question. You came in in the third quarter. The team was 13 points down. You get to overtime and you go on and win the game. And uh, it sounded like you were involved in a fair few plays. I, yeah, I was. And a few the other way as well. Yeah, you don't quite put in the uh, when you're writing a story. You don't write about the turnovers. You don't write about the miss. Yeah. <laughs> you skip over them, but... I mean, the things I remember, I was absolutely packing myself when I got to the free throw line. I missed a couple of easy ones early, missed the free throws and thought, geez, this might not last long if I'm like this. And, you know, missing those free throws for me in the third quarter was like, hang on, just just play. Just You've already embarrassed yourself. Get on with it. And sort of, I don't know why Don Nelson, our coach, chose to leave me in for the rest of the third quarter, but he did. And, I was able to get in with the rhythm and I was feeling okay. And, you know, if you ever, if anyone ever has a chance, I still watch the game. Like, God, we're 10 down with 59 seconds to go against the Chicago Bulls and everything that could go right, could go right, did go right. And I played three and a half minutes of overtime. And, you know, those three and a half minutes, I didn't need to watch the film. I could remember them and, you know, when you hit a jumper to put your, you put your team up four against the Chicago Bulls and then you have a dunk to put us up four again in overtime and, you know, have a bit of a, a tussle with Dennis Rodman, it, it, it's memorable. Um, and, you know, the, so my answer is I was really, really happy with my three and a half minutes in overtime, but, God, I, I was just a passenger watching it for, for most of regulation. In your story, you talked about trying to get Michael Jordan and knock him down and make a bit of a name for yourself, a bit of a hero for yourself. Did you do well, that? Yeah, well, how did Michael go in the game? Well, well this is, yeah, he had 27, 29, or, you know, he didn't have his best game, and that's probably why we were able to stick around. But that was the thing, though. I'd been playing 30 minutes a game leading up and hadn't played a minute in the first half, and I was gutted i was sitting in the locker room i thought this is before social media and this is you know the internet only just started and but no one's going to believe me that i actually played in a game of basketball against michael jordan i'm thinking how do you get a photo because you can't sort of walk up to michael jordan in garbage time if you get in and sort of put your arm around his shoulder hey mike if you wouldn't mind looking over at the cameras it wouldn't mind a photo but so i kind of thought the only way i'm going to get this done is to foul him as hard as I possibly can if I get in and make sure that it's hard enough that it reacts and we have a bit of a scuffle because someone will take a photo of that. Um, not my finest moment or my finest thought. I'm, I'm glad it didn't happen. But, um, yeah, it was... Yeah, that, that's where my mind was wandering off to at halftime. So I thought, I've had this thing. I, I didn't play a second the first time we played the Bulls and 
I didn't play a second in the first half this time, so I, I was going to be so close and, and miss out. I was pretty angry and pretty upset, but uh, it turned out to be a completely different experience. That was Chris Anstey recapping the time he was able to take on and beat Michael Jordan in a game of NBA basketball. That's all we've got time for on another edition of Off the Bench. A reminder that if you're still in withdrawal over the AFL, the 1980s was a decade of change from the way the game was played, coached, watched and reported. And to celebrate and commemorate the AFL record is giving fans like you the chance to wind back the clock with the release of great footy decades, 1980s, in digital version. It's all thanks to Karcher. Great footy decades, 1980s digital edition, just $1.99, less than two bucks, less than a cup of coffee on afl.com.au and the AFL app. That's all we've got time for for another week on Off the Bench. Looking forward to your company again next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.